I want to go back. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I am Justin. And I'm Darren. And this is a podcast where we try to talk about puzzle games and plot holes. And today we will be discussing another J.J. Abrams. Uh, we talked about the mystery box and the TED Talk already. Yep. And today we're going to be talking about Super 8. Mm. What's your overall take on Super 8? I hadn't seen it and you told me to go and see it. But you you had never seen it before. I'd heard of it, but I just, I'd never got around to watching it. And yeah, I watched it and I know you've got some issues with it, but I actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I think that's good in a way, though I'm not, uh, that may not even really have an episode. Then. I will say this, this, I watched it twice. Right. In preparation for this episode. And what I'm finding is what I, I'm going to start referring to perhaps as the Abrams effect. Right. Where things are not really great, but the more you watch them, the less you notice the bad things. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps. I don't know. I, I think, for example, if I was to go back and watch Lost, any of the major mysteries that never get answered or that I feel don't get answered. Well, I know they're not going to get answered. I'm uh, no longer be speculating. I understand what you mean. Yeah. And I feel like he creates these mystery boxes. And then once you know that that's all they are, then on repeat viewings, they bother you less. Right. And I would say that that has happened for me with Super 8. I would say that the first time I was absolutely just really, really irritated with it, which is part of the reason why I suggested we we do this. Mm-hmm. I watched it a second time and I was still pretty irritated. But by the third viewing, it was just kind of a meh. It didn't really yeah. matter anymore. Like these things didn't matter as much. I will still say there's a lot of convenience that seems to happen. And I would argue some inconsistencies. Right. But I'm not sure if there's as much plot hole as I thought there was on watching it like through the third time. Right. Yeah. But again, I'm no longer trying to figure it out. I know what I'm going to be told and I know what I'm not going to be told. And some things, honestly, I guess I don't need to be told, but it just kind of makes it feel like magic. And I'm not sure how I feel about that, honestly, especially when it comes to science fiction. Now, this is coming from someone who loves the original Star Wars and the Force essentially felt like magic in those. Right, yeah. Before they started to introduce... Science. Science to explain it. So I understand that it's not magic, but from a storytelling standpoint, it feels like magic. What, in in Super 8? In a number of things that he does. I would say in Lost, there were a number of things that made it seem like... Oh, it's magic, and that's why. I would say in this one, kind of magic, but not why. Kind of, well, it's alien, and that's why. Right, yeah, yeah, so. So that that's kind of what we're getting at. So I don't know, uh, by my third viewing, if, if we had had this episode recorded after I watched it the first time, or even maybe the second time, I would have been much more kind of angry about it. And now I just feel kind of apathetic. I right. guess about it. I still don't think it's a great movie. Mm. And that's kind of what I want to get into today. Right. But if you want to play Devil's Advocate and you want to say that it's wonderful, go right ahead. However, <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't think you go quite it wouldn't go that, that far. far. It was, I mean, what I, what I got out of it is, is uh, I know it's kind of a dumb cliche, but it, it is what it is. And it's a kind of a popcorn stab at a 2000 remake of The Goonies. And it's... It's kind of a, a happy, bit dark uh, kids. I thought it was a kid, really kids movie to me. It is. I I think it's interesting that you reference it to Goonies. I have another friend who references it to E. T. He says it's their E. T. Which I I disagree with, but which is a story about divorce, of course. <sighs> okay, <laughs> referencing last episode. So I. Don't think so because E.T. is about character development and about development of 
the relationship between characters. Whereas I don't think that we have that as much in this one. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. In, in particular with... The alien. Yeah, yeah. In this one, there's not much, which I'm going to get to. That gets kind of right towards the end, though. Uh, Spoilers. The alien wants to go home. Yes. <laughs> well, let's just warn everyone now. Uh, probably from this point on, there's going to be lots of spoilers. Uh, we'll also be talking a bit, probably, I, I feel anyway, uh, referencing Stranger Things, but not in any sort of plot spoiler way. Um, more just the feel of it, I think. At least the things that I might mention. Yeah. So they won't really... Uh, you, you can certainly listen to this without having watched Stranger Things, but if you haven't watched Stranger Things, watch Stranger why, Things. Why, why haven't you watched Stranger yeah, Things? Please, please do. I would definitely recommend it. Let's talk a bit about the opening of the movie, because the opening of the movie, I thought, was really solid, and I really felt like I was in for something. I think that that's part of the problem, too. I often feel that J.J. Abrams is a great ideas person. He has fantastic ideas, and they start off his his TV shows, his movies, they start off really well and really interesting and they're kind of interesting characters and dynamics going on and then things fall apart for me. So right away, there's the opening scene where you see how many days since an accident and it goes to like, should have gone to zero. I don't know why they went to one. Because... <laughs> Yeah, maybe it was... Were <laughs> they waiting till the next day to change it? Yeah, I mean, maybe they took the day off for the funeral and then they went back, so that's a whole day passed or something, yeah? Maybe. And I thought that that was pretty powerful. It leads to the wake. Though mm -hmm. I do think there's a really odd comment from, I believe it's uh, Charlie's mom. I don't know essentially how they're going to work things out because Jack's never been a father before. I see, I got really confused by that comment. Because okay. he is Joe's father. Yeah, he is. But what do you mean he's never been a father before? So I, were they divorced before? Were they separated? It seems like... I just picked up on it like he was always working. He was never home. The, I think, the mom took care of him all the time. I think that's what was intended. But in my head, I just couldn't get over the idea of... But he had to have been there at least somewhat. Right? Yeah, yeah. To say he's never been a father before, like what is he his uncle who's going to step in and take care of him? Because I that totally confused me, and then realized no, that didn't matter. So I I just feel like there is a better way to word that so that it would make more sense. We get the essence that uh, Joe's mother was crushed in some sort of accident, yeah, which gets referenced a few times, which I guess we don't really need to know exactly what happened. I kind of want to, in a way. I was kind of wonder what exactly happened. You're just saying, oh, she got crushed. Yeah, well, that seems like a pretty major thing. How did that actually happen? But I guess it's not important. It's not important, yeah. Lewis shows up, and Lewis is the... Uh, well, he's drunk through quite a lot of the movie. Yeah. I, I think it's safe to say. And then instantly, Jack takes him in to jail, right? That's right, yeah. I guess for drunken driving. I don't. We don't. <laughs> we don't know how he got away with that. It seems a bit unfair, but okay. And then it cuts to four months later. It's now the last day of school, so we go from super depressing to yay! It's the last day of school. Okay, mm -hmm. which I'm okay with. It explains why I guess Joe has somewhat gone through his stages of grief, right? And he's not. Still still crying all the time, I guess. But he is still holding on to the necklace all the time. Yeah. Which becomes very important later. Yeah. At least to, to what I want to say, it becomes important later. They're talking about making a movie. And they say, Alice Daynard is now going to play the part of the detective's wife, or whatever. Which we don't know who she is. Obviously, that's going to be important. We see a scene of a zombie death. It's cheesy, but it's fun. And they're talking about they want to enter for a film festival. And so for me, this whole thing is starting to become about... And remember, the movie is called Super 8. And I I will be honest, I didn't watch a trailer before I watched this movie for the first time. So when it was called Super 8, and here kids making a movie, 
honestly thought this is what the movie was going to be about. So I was happy with that idea. I thought this is a pretty cool idea. Just kids making a movie. That's that's great. I suppose in more recent times, something like, uh, have you seen Sing Street? No, no. Okay, uh, but that essentially is what that movie is is about. Kids making a band and then making videos oh, around okay. Okay. the band, and it's good. Like I do like it. So when I think it's all about kids making a movie, I'm all for it, and I think that this is good. I don't know. Do we want to talk about the kids individually? Uh, so let me just quick rundown yeah. for maybe people who haven't seen it in a while because the movie is a bit old now, right? Yeah. Joe is your, I guess, your main character, right? He's still sad about his mother. He's still holding the necklace all the time. He does special effects and makeup for their movie. That's right. Charles is the director. He's a bit bigger, which I don't really say except that that seems to be part of his character and part of where his insecurities come from i guess later when he's he's talking about something there's carrie who does explosions that's pretty much and be annoying would that be fair to say yeah yeah he was sorry kid but yeah yeah you (laughs) really had no part in that i mean i thought at least oh he's gonna blow something up at the end but he He just needed to be carrying all the he, yeah, he said he sets off a diversion at the end. That's the, the, his whole point of being in the movie. There's Martin, who is the one who wears glasses and apparently is not very smart, which is why Carrie keeps referring to him as Smartin in an in insulting way. And then there's Gabriel, who is Jewish. I don't know. Like, there's nothing else really about his character. He's just kind of there, and he doesn't really seem to have a specific role. I feel his character didn't get the full development that some of the other characters did. Uh, even his bits of dialogue seem a bit weak. And... Yeah, I mean, really, the movie is really about Charlie, Joe, and... Alice, I would say. Yeah, and Alice. More than any of the others, yeah. yeah. Right, let's talk about another really great thing, actually. So we see Joe at at the home of, like, Charles and their family, and, like, the mom is yelling, you know, come on, it's time for dinner, and... While that's going on, right, they walk out and like, his older sister is having a fight about like what she's going to wear and wanting to go to a party and there are twins fighting at the table and the father who's just kind of trying to get through it. That felt very real to me. Right. And also just a genuinely nice family where the mom says, oh, Joe, we've got food. Why don't you sit down? He's like, no, no, I'm fine. And the father says... There's always a spot for you here if you need. I was like, wow, this is this is really good kind of quick character development, but also setting the tone for that environment. Yeah, I like that part as well, actually. That that bit really stuck with me just because it was quick, simple. I, I really like that kind of stuff as well, where they, like, you know, the old adage, like, a picture's worth a thousand words. And they had a, a picture, basically, and they didn't really say much other than, Exactly that. You're you're all there's always a place for you here. You get the feeling of like really small town and they know what's going on with their family. Like in Stranger Things, the KFC bucket. That was one of my favorite scenes. That's not a spoiler, <laughs> but that, that that whole bit spoke volumes to me, you know? Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, yeah, I like those kind of things anyway. Then we're led to Jack, who's clearly still upset about the death. He's crying, Joe catches him crying. Then they go out to a diner, I guess, and he's talking about sending Joe to camp for a summer. And, oh, you're going to love it. And I, I don't know. It, to me, this felt a bit forced. It feels a bit cliche. And I also, I feel a bit offended as well. The idea of camp is just a, a way to get rid of the kids. <laughs> I don't, I don't <clears throat> think that's necessarily always the case. But in movies... It seems like that's the way they want to use camp when it comes to the parents talking about it. And it's never the kid wants to go. I'm trying to think, actually. Try to wrap my brain real quick to see if there's a movie where they go to camp where they actually want to go. Well, obviously, the movies that are about the camp. But if it's a movie where... They're getting sent to one, it's not good. It's not good. And I don't understand that because... Yeah, I mean, yeah, this movie... What was the other one where they got sent to... I can't think now, but yeah, getting sent to camp is never, it's movie purgatory, isn't it? It's just like, <laughs> you're getting <laughs> shipped off somewhere. 
and here we definitely see Jack notice that Joe's clinging to the necklace still, which I'm not sure why he's surprised. It's only been four months. But then we're kind of introduced to Alice, who's driving her father's car illegally. Yep. And I will say this is a great moment because the only thing I knew really about Lewis, the fact that he drinks and he drove this car. So her driving that car up, I didn't remember. And I went, well, isn't that the same car from before? Oh, yes, it is on purpose. And so now we know they have that connection. And that was really well done. Yeah. I will say they get to the train station and they start recording and going through everything. And there's kind of a nice touching moment between uh, Joe and Alice. So you start to get the impression that they like each other, which is fine, actually. I think it's done very well. And then they run through a practice, like a practice run through of a scene. Yeah. Right. And we're supposed to be led to believe that Alice is a really good actress. And the thing is, honestly... In that scene, she was. Yeah. Like, normally those kind of things for me fall completely flat, going, yeah, she's not as great as you think she is. But in that scene, wow, she turned it on. And compared to everything we'd seen thus far, like, yeah, that really, really worked for me. And yeah. so, again, remember, I don't know what this movie is really about. I know it's called Super 8, which has to do with recording things. And I think this is the way the movie is going to go. I will say, I know that, I think we talked about it last time, but also the lens flares. That's my top of my list. It's like, holy lens flare, Batman. Wow, that was <laughs> crazy for this movie. It was everywhere. I will say, I, I don't notice them that much, but there was one in this scene which seemed to go clear across the entire screen <laughs> that I could not ignore. There's a part later on where they're in a cave in the dark and there's still lens flares. Like, where's that light coming from? See, I... I For some reason, lens flares don't seem to bother me. I don't seem to notice. Uh, oh, he like, gets a lot of flack for it for the first Star Trek movie, too, that he yeah. did, I think. But, and this is, it's excessive in Super 8. It's, it's every 10 seconds. It's, it's all over the place. That would, you know, it, uh, I just think it'd be really funny if there's some some person in the credits. like Lens flare guy. Lens. <laughs> uh, now we get to the train. So I love the idea that Charles like, oh, we need production value quick. There's a train. We can get that in the background, right? Yeah. And I like that idea. Oh, we have no money. We need to try and make it work. And then the train crashes, which I will admit the very first time I saw it, I was just in awe. I thought it was absolutely amazing. This is something that doesn't hold up by viewing three <laughs> because this train wreck is insane in a way that doesn't really seem possible it defies physics yeah <laughs> i mean there seem to be collisions happening between car 50 and car 10 and launching <laughs> giant fuel containers that explode there's a lot of explosions there's yeah. I said that as well. I, there was so it, it really reminded me of uh, Lost, actually, like the opening of Lost. It was taken straight from that. I, I did. I mean, I enjoyed the train crash. I didn't really have a problem with the physics of it. My only problem was, how is that driver still alive after he collided head-on with a moving train in a car, and his car's not even wrecked? It's wrecked, but only on one side. Uh, yeah, a little which, bit. It's not obliterated, which it should be. Which it doesn't quite work, considering he did hit it head-on. Yeah, yeah. He got onto the rails and was driving straight into it. He would have been cut in half, at least. I have a problem with it, but I think because I've watched it three times. But this, the amount of explosions that happen... It was really I, Michael Bay. Th was... There was a train car that flew through... A train station, which is essentially just a wooden shack, and that exploded, and there was fire everywhere, and it all seemed to be landing exactly where a kid was at the time, and I, I, I just, I'm just not buying this. Uh, no, I enjoyed, I, I totally enjoyed that, but, but it was, it was nuts, yeah. But it was again, I was like, wow, that's amazing. They've got that on the film, right? Mm. But then this is the point for me where the movie starts to lose me. Because it becomes about something else altogether. I was quite excited about the simple movie of kids back in like... According to IMDb, 
1979, making a movie. And I thought that was a that was a cool idea for a movie. And then it becomes something more and something mystery box like that kind of doesn't work for me yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, it becomes like it becomes more of a kids' Cloverfield. Yes. Whereas I again, I thought the kids making the movie was the interesting part because I'd I'd already seen Cloverfield, so I did. I was getting the feeling like, oh, this is going to be. So the movie becomes, yeah, it, it becomes a kid's Cloverfield. And that's what I thought it was going to be about. I thought it was going to be them with their Super 8 running around, maybe doing a little bit of kind of real journalism or incorporating this disaster into their movie and making like, a, so they would be making a movie with real aliens or something like that, you know, and his thing is about value, production value. And he says it twice in the movie and it's like, that I don't know if maybe that's what he intended in the beginning and it got kind of lost. Because I do think this is a semi-autobiographical about J.J. Abrams' life. Because in the Mystery Box Ted thing, he talks about getting a Super 8 camera, mm-hmm. wanting to be a filmmaker. I think he's really put a lot of himself into this movie. don't know who he is, if he's Charlie or, or which character he is, but... Um, I'm guessing Gabriel. <laughs> the ra- the yeah. random guy who's there yeah. but doesn't have a lot to do. Yeah, And uh, now he's like... Look, this was me. Yeah. Now look at me. Now, now. look at me. <laughs> no, um, that's just that's just me being yeah. vindicted. But yeah, so I did because actually this is completely random and off off the subject. I've just had a massive flashback and I can't remember what it was, but I actually did see the trailer for Super Eight way back when it was getting released in the cinema, mm-hmm. and it was part of a ninety nine percent sure it was a Valve game and it was on the CD or not a Valve yeah like a, yeah it was like maybe Half Life Two where you had the CD, and when you put it in, you could play the game, or you could watch the trailer for Super 8. Okay. And that's odd, because JJ's in talks to do Portal and Half-Life 2. It's come full circle. I wish I could remember which game it was. I'll, I'll look it up after. I think your point of the kids going around using this mm. to make their movie, which they do to some extent, but actually chasing the alien to try to get the scenes and to incorporate into the movie again feels like a much better idea than what we got. But I think that that's because after this point, it starts to feel a bit cliche. And this is also where it starts to feel a bit inconsistent. Whereas I felt like the movie up to this point was very, very solid. There's also, I mean, it's a bit pedantic, but if the movie was made in 1979, they clearly made these white things as cubes in a way so they could say they look like Rubik's Cubes. Oh, the Rubik's Cubes, yeah. But that wasn't really licensed as a toy in the u.s until about 80 and wouldn't have been common knowledge by that point to everyone so i have a i do kind of have a problem with that but the cubes are definitely a mystery box are they though because they're the ship yeah but how oh i i mean if they were like nanobots then yeah but i don't know how they i mean if the ship's gonna just disassemble into a a ton of Rubik's cubes. Why not just disassemble into dust like uh, the what's that Ken Reeves movie? The remake of the the day the Earth stood day, is it the day the Earth stood still? Oh, Ken Reeves remake. Yeah, uh, probably wasn't. I haven't seen that one. I only saw the original one. Yeah, there's all nanobots and like little yeah. yeah. So it was like yeah. So I get I can deal with that. That's fine. But if they're gonna break up into Rubik's cubes, why not just break up into dust? Instead, if they're gonna, if that's what they are, nanobots that would recreate the ship, I don't know how you can build a ship out of Rubik's cubes. Well, my problem with that is, does the creature never sleep? Because apparently, he has to form it with his mind or her mind. It's mind may not even have gender. I just don't understand how they work, and that's what I refer to as magic. Yeah. Oh, it's it's science fiction, but it doesn't need to be explained, mm. right? And. I don't need absolutely everything explained. In Star Trek, I don't need to know how the replicator makes food. I just assume it does. But I feel like there are a number of things with these cubes that feels a bit inconsistent and confusing. And so that's where I kind of have a problem with them. And we'll probably get through that as we kind of mm. continue on. Here's Glenn Turman, who I like quite a lot as an actor. He's uh, been in a, a few things that I've enjoyed. Uh, as a science teacher called Dr. Woodward. And he gives the, well, I guess the kids kind of steal the map from him. I was going to say he gave it to them, but uh, they kind of just take it. And they instantly realize it's the schedule for the train, which I'm not sure how they put that together so quickly. And he warns the kids not to talk. 
while pointing a gun at them, which is what scares most of them, I guess. Mm. And then, of course, we meet General Nolek, who is the jerk of the movie. Cliché bad guy. Very cliché bad guy. And that's kind of it. They go home and everything's fine. And Joe steals a cube. Of course he does, because we need to have it in the movie, Mm -hmm. I guess. I'm kind of shocked that all the kids didn't take one. Only one kid took one. I would have wanted one. I would have taken a bunch of them, yeah. (laughs) So he has the only one. And then I think we cut to the next morning, and the cube has changed shape. Nobody seems to notice that ever. And I that bothers me. Like, there are a number of things, again, with the cubes that bother me, and this is one of them. It changes, and nobody seems to notice. It's not really cube shape anymore. Yeah. That might be interesting, uh, but we'll not talk about that ever, or even notice it. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is really weird. Now, here's something that you and I both commented before, uh, after we'd watched it, and in preparation for this episode. The adults are kind of weak characters. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I don't always understand what what they're doing or what their motivation is. Lewis comes home, finds Joe at his house. Mm-hmm. Seems really mad at him. He's like, you never come back here again. Alice, you can't hang out with him. And I'm kind of confused by that. I, I, I think there is a reason, I think, but we have to fill in the gaps to do that, right? So again, listeners, this is not explicitly stated anywhere, but... Filling in the gaps. I would assume he's afraid of going back to jail and that if Jack finds out his kid is at Lewis's place, then he might cause problems for Lewis. And I could kind of understand that. I could kind of see that. But that is me filling in the gaps. We were not really told why. So on the surface, all we see is Lewis seems really mad that Joe is there, which to me doesn't quite make sense because Lewis cared very much about his mother. And And he feels responsible for the death of his mom. In my mind, it would make more sense for him to to say, oh, I'm really sorry about what happened. I kind of feel it's my fault. Or just, you know, oh, I'm sorry you lost your mother. She was a great woman. And be nice and say, but your father doesn't like me. You can't hang out here. Yeah. And that to me, it doesn't take any more time. And it makes more sense. Yeah. The, the only thing is it it doesn't add this kind of ridiculous... Alice can't hang out with Joe Dynamics. It's, when I was watching that, I was confused with what it was as well. But by the end of the movie, it was like, wow, it's really just uh, a lazy way to set up conflict between them. And then and then to resolve that conflict at the end, like, oh, we're buddies now. Uh, yeah, and, I, I definitely get to that in my notes, yeah. And I, I got really irritated it's, by that. So, like, I totally agree with the, the, the adult. The, halfway through the movie, I was thinking, are they making the adults bad on purpose so that the kids stand out more because maybe because it's supposed to be a kids movie so it's like they're on purpose making the adults dull and and just mean all of the all most of the adults are just mean-spirited and not nice and you just don't like them i mean when they die when the when the people die it's like yeah good (laughs) you know but again it's like at the end it's like oh we're friends now something that i noticed at the end and this is right at the end which super bugged me about about the adults was when their dad comes in at the end and his exact words are he hugs his he hugs his son he's like i got you and that's his it's like no you don't you didn't do anything in this movie the kids have solved everything they did it they rescued all the people you the chief of police did nothing he's not the is he the chief he is because the other guy well i guess he's all right temp- we, we haven't quite got to <laughs> that we chief. haven't quite got to that but it's like, yeah, you've done nothing. What? Why are you patting yourself on the back? <laughs> you know, it's like, the, the whole ending does fall apart for me, and that's that's definitely something I want uh, I want to talk about. But I want to just kind of plow through the rest of my yeah. notes here. I guess uh, th- to be honest, listeners, I have about a page and a half of notes, and you said last night you said, I have a post it. <laughs> like, uh, you you better guide us through. It is a like, big okay. it is a big post it. It is well, it is a big. Posted. <laughs> um, but let's talk about the kids. Again, they, they seem to always be around where they shouldn't be filming. And nobody seems to notice for ages. Oh, like when they're, filming, when they're filming the soldiers at that house. Well, that, that comes a bit later. Yeah. But the next part in, the, in my notes is they were at the train site, right? They're filming from a distance. But there's a helicopter flying oh, over. Yeah, 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 and nobody yeah, yeah. seems to notice these kids filming. Where 
And they know they're looking for a camera. Yeah, that's exactly it. Nolik found the film and is saying, I know you had somebody record it. Mm. And yet doesn't seem to spot these kids with a camera. I mean, they weren't there for a short time. It's not like they were running in, doing 30 seconds and then running away. They did all their makeup there. They <laughs> probably practicing lines there. They're probably there an hour. Nobody noticed. Yeah. Yeah, I find that to be, I don't know exactly how I'd describe it. It just seems not feasible, considering what, what they're doing. Or it, maybe they're just trying to say they're inept. I'm not really sure. Uh, but here is one of our favorite scenes. This is where the sheriff goes to the gas station. Oh, <laughs> and it's like, hey, what's that thing? Oh, this is a Walkman. It's like my own personal stereo. Well, that's just what the world needs, right? The thing is, this guy with the Walkman is the most oblivious character of all time. Because, listeners, some of you may be young. You maybe do not have one of these cassette players of its day. And it might not even be a cassette player. It might just be a, a radio, honestly, at that point. Yeah. But the headphones sucked. No, they're, they're terrible. <laughs> so there is no way that you would be able to tune out noises, especially to the degree of the noise that we have here. Yeah. He only notices when the lights flicker, yet... Like the car is... The car has been thrown around and yeah. been, like, chucked onto the ground. The, the ground would have been shaking. Like, okay, even if you couldn't hear the noise, which is completely impossible because those things are just tinny as hell. But, yeah, you would feel... It would be like a... At least like a massive 18-wheeler rolling past outside, you know? It would create some kind of vibration. You turn, you at least turn around and go, what was that? But, no, he's just on his walk, man. Yeah, it bothers me too because even my grandfather had a radio with like a, a an earpiece that he could put in. It just strikes me how dumb is the sheriff that he can't figure out what they are. Yeah, I, I just don't get. But that. that 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 whole thing as well that's been done in so many movies as well, hasn't it? I I, I can't think of the exact movies off the top of my head, but there's always those scenes where the guy's got his headphones on and. Maybe there's a massive fight going on in the background and you know, do, 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 do. he's just oblivious. It's like it's almost like a, a movie trope now where they just this has to get put in and What's funny though is now with noise cancelling headphones, it might actually be a thing. Now you could almost use it and it wouldn't seem ridiculous. Yeah. But if you're going to set it in nineteen seventy nine, I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'm not buying it. And this leads into Jack now taking over the rain since the sheriff is missing and getting lots of strange calls. Things are happening. Microwaves are disappearing. Engines are missing out of every car. All the dogs have disappeared. I... All the dogs went to the leftovers. <laughs> they barely all went to a different town. Oh, they all went in different directions, though, didn't they? They just, just scattered. Yeah. Here's, here's a problem I have with the town itself. I feel is very inconsistent. I feel like we are at, at sometimes led to believe that it is a tiny town and at other times led to believe it's a small city. And I'm not sure how that works for me because I know towns of the size of what they're saying and it, it seems a bit inconsistent both ways to me. Even if, as Jack mentions later, that there's 12,000 people in this town, assuming that that is the case, it's still not that big. About the size of Inverness. People would notice if a giant alien was ripping out the engines of every car on the lot. And especially when you get to towns that are that small, like my place back back in Scotland. Hmm. Um, everyone's so nosy, you know? Yes. <laughs> you, you couldn't if get you away with it. If you heard those noises, people would be on the street looking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it happened in New York, maybe you could get away with it, you know, because nobody cares. But yeah, if you did that in my place, the whole street would know about it. Yes. So I don't buy it yeah. i don't buy it you would have to have a lot more missing humans and they don't even really seem to talk about the missing humans yeah they're just there yeah i mean they they do talk about the woman in with the rollers in her hair right and jack puts together that the sheriff is missing but really, it just it just feels like there are a lot more people missing because they do play that down though in the movie in the don't they just, oh he's just gone 
I don't know what they say. They don't say golfing, but they just say something like, don't worry about it. He's just gone to his mum's house or something ridiculous. Like, no, no, look, I'm, I'm also the chief of police now. you got to listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> you would think. I, I did notice power seems to go out anytime the creature is near. That's not really explained. That's weird. Here's, here's where a lot of my problems come with. I feel like the creature's powers are somewhat inconsistent as well. And this especially goes to when we know about him being in the lab. Because I feel like, mm, if he could turn the power off, then uh, that could have helped him a lot with escaping the lab. If he could control these cubes and change their shape with his mind, that should help him get out of the lab. If he can bond with anything he touches, it seems like he would be touching a lot more people and bonding with them and getting them to release him out of the lab. And <laughs> there's just too many good powers that this creature has to not... They don't get used. To, not, <laughs> to have been trapped for at least a decade. I think they're saying from around 63 on, mm. at least. Uh, so for over a decade, it was trapped. Uh, I mean... The, even if it, even if it, the cubes could only be used to create the spaceship, I think the spaceship could be formed inside the lab and yeah. do some real damage to help him or escape. formed into a gun or something, yeah. Like I said, like I said, I did enjoy the movie, but there were problems with that. I noticed as well, like he has telekinesis or some some kind of force field as well, because when they're trying to shoot him, he's. I get okay. I I, I almost I even wrote down like I understand you can mess with radio waves and okay static electricity and you you cause the you're like a slider and you cause the the power to flicker and things like that. Okay, done. But when they're shooting him, he's bending bullets. And the, the, even the tank shells are like bending away from him, like when they're you know when the, all the tanks are in town and they're trying to shoot him. Did you? I have a problem with that because I didn't see enough of him, so I I couldn't figure out what the heck they were shooting at most of the time. They seem to be shooting everywhere, and it's like, but there's only one creature. But that, well, that was the whole. I think that was the whole point. They did seem to be shooting everywhere because if you notice, the shells are like going like and bending off to the right oh, see, and left. I didn't notice that. So that all the bullets are flying everywhere. So he's doing like a neo, and he's bending space and time mm -hmm. like again that would be a useful thing to break out of jail unless they had him in some kind of thing where he was sapped of his power but then that doesn't explain why he has to build a giant magnet at the end if he can bend bullets why does he need to build this stupid big electromagnet to suck all the metal into the water tower at the end that's the part that i really lost me and i'm sure you're going to talk about that soon but yeah, the telekinesis bending bullet stuff kind of blew my mind. I was like, whoa, I mean... Well, that would add one more power to his... Well, to the alien. Because that's exactly why you didn't know what they were shooting at. Because, yeah, they weren't shooting at anything. It was just going haywire. Oh, uh, okay. It just, seemed, it just seemed to me, as I'll probably say later... And it did blow a hole in the wall, and the kids got a direct all right, hit. All right, all right, all right. I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Let's rush through some of this quickly. So... Jack's quickly aware that the ham radio guy has a point in the meeting. He says, oh, we need to listen in on this. So he gets his buddy at the police station. Oh, you've got a decryptor, right? Sure. So <laughs> they put it together. And then rather than just absolutely having somebody listen to it, the one guy's taking a complaint while he's listening in. And, oh, hold on for about half an hour while we all get together and discuss that. This, then, like, every police officer is around one desk suddenly and nobody else is around. It's just inconsistent storytelling for me at that point. Everything is busy, yet they can all sit around to think. It, it didn't make any sense to me. The Air Force finds Woodward's house, but not that trailer at school. And doesn't, doesn't even seem to look at the school in his office at the school. Until the end. Yeah, it just seems... If you know he's a teacher... You would go there as well. I don't I would imagine that. so. I would imagine so. Mm. Then we get the father saying the, essentially the same thing to Joe now. It's like, you need to stay away from Alice. Your mother, like Lewis, said he was a good guy, but he's not a good guy. Yeah. Uh, and I hate him. I, I don't know. I also kind of find the reason for that is a bit weak as well, I feel. but Yeah, that whole thing was done. Like, mm. like, like we said, the adults are plastic in this movie for sure. Here's another time where Joe sees something and it just ignores it. He sees all the dirt being piled up in the shed near the cemetery. Because he yes. gets mad, he hangs out in the cemetery. There's all sorts of crazy stuff there. And he goes, 
wow, that's weird. And then is never touched on again. Yeah. I don't understand what's going on. Yet the guy in the, what is the cherry picker who was working on the transformers to repair the electricity saw a stove fly over a fence from the salvage yard and he at least looked. But the kids seemed to be not curious about anything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Nellick talks to uh, Dr. Woodward. Woodward is uncooperative. He says some very kind of vague things here. He says, uh, he's in me as I am in him. I'll be watching you too. As though he's, it almost felt to me like he was saying, even if you kill me, I will still be part of the creature. I'm not really sure what they're trying to say with this weird psychic connection that seems to happen between the creature and Woodward and possibly other people. I don't understand. And it did make me wonder. <laughs> uh, because later we see the creature eating a human. I mean, does it bond with everything it touches? Because that would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine you go to McDonald's to get a hamburger. Oh, yeah. I know how that cow feels. Yeah. It, well, I think, yeah. Which I think that would possibly be what it took to make me vegetarian. <laughs> and I, that's kind of what makes it odd that this creature is eating a human later on. Because he hates them. If it, you could get rid of that and then I wouldn't be, that's fine to have it just kind of capture humans to get them out of the way. But to eat them now, I'm not quite as nice feeling as I was before. But I, I suppose I'm jumping ahead. E.T. didn't eat people, that's yeah. for sure. So I suppose I'm jumping ahead. Now, sorry. <laughs> All right, he's uncooperative, so Nellick has him killed. Yep. He wants information, but rather than keep him around because he's irritating, he just kills him, which makes no sense to me. We'll be talking about that <laughs> in a future episode, I think. Yeah, so I, I really had a problem with that, and this seems to be a real problem I think with a lot of Abram stuff as well. Somebody has the information I need, but they will be killed off or disappear or for some reason completely vague so that I don't get the information I need to keep the mystery box alive. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Then we get a scene with Joe and Alice where Alice finally admits what happened. So Joe's mom went in to cover for a shift because her dad was drunk and didn't make it into work. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. He didn't pull a switch that dropped something on her. He wasn't inept in a way that actually led to her death. He just missed his shift and she covered for him. Yeah. Now I can understand Lewis's guilt, but Jack being that angry because he missed a shift and so she had to cover and that's why she died seems a bit much. Yeah, I was expecting more from that part of the story and that's maybe my, my mistake, but I was expecting at least some kind of affair between them or... I was expecting that as well, too. Like, the first time. Yeah. I was expecting that. And when I didn't get that, then I went... I, I was still confused. And then it, 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 it turns out, like, oh, I missed a shift and... Actually, actually, if it had been an affair, it would make much more sense why they want to keep Alice and Joe apart, right? Yeah, that yeah. would make much more sense. Yeah. But it's not. It's simply because Lewis missed a shift and Elizabeth died on that shift covering. Uh, it doesn't even sound, from the way she described it, doesn't even sound like... Lewis called her directly, like, oh, can you cover for me? She got called in yeah, by from the boss. work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I feel that that's weak motivation there. But it leads into the cube launching itself through the wall, through his wall, and panning right to the water tower so we know what <laughs> where it went. But they go, oh, that's crazy, and then do nothing. <laughs> They don't chase after it. They yeah. don't wonder where it goes. They don't talk about it. Yeah. It's just gone. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what? And this is, again, part of where I say the cubes are a mystery box. It's not just how the cubes work or what they are, but it's almost as if the cubes wipe themselves from people's memory once they go. <laughs> but they don't because Jack saw them at the train and was talking about them with the sheriff later. So mm. I I just don't understand. I don't understand these kids that are so not curious about something. I mean, if they're hypermagnetic, and that's how they got attracted. I mean, because it is. It's a magnet. Yeah. We, that's that's. I'm going to assume so, but I do have a problem with that. But we'll we'll talk but, about that I mean, later. If, if if it attracted that cube from that far away, you know, you would have you would have ripped everyone's refrigerator out of their home in the same. If you switched, the, if you flicked the switch and be like, okay, today's 
oh, it's 10 o'clock, it's time to switch on the thing to grab today's metal stuff. Boom. You'd have sucked everything away. Not, not just okay, the cubes. Okay, okay, yes. That's exactly my point, but I'll get to that right at the end. All right, so Lewis gets angry at Alice because he's drunk. Says, why don't you run away like your mother? Which is the total, <laughs> whole extra dimension that was not explained and we didn't really need. So she takes off on her bike and then he chases after her drunk, drunk in his car, yeah. crashes. And that's when the creature shows up to take her away. Yeah. Seems a bit... Convenient? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would say. And of course, convenient that Lewis had to be drunk so nobody would take his story seriously. When he explains that, I think. Well, I guess it's not convenient because he's always drunk. He's always drunk, yeah. But it just, this leads into our uh, the next bit was the love triangle. Charles oh. admits why he's been so kind of mad at Joe. I was like, oh, I'm mad at you because you like her, and I did this whole movie thing to get to know her better, which is that's that's a very elaborate plan to try to get to know <laughs> someone better. And he's like, oh, the thing is, I'm more annoyed that she likes you, right? Which Okay, I guess, but do we need that? I I didn't really need that. But then I think that whole scene was really there so that we see the footage that was not good, but then we see the creature come out of the train Yeah, in their footage. And that's, that's what we're led to believe. And then all of a sudden the town is being evacuated because of a fire that the Air Force set. It does, to me, seem quite a bit excessive. Mm-hmm. Considering the size of the town and the fact that this is Ohio, this is not a California fire where things get that out of control that quickly unless there's a drought happening. Mm. And the Air Force was bringing in tanks, brought in 10 semi-trucks. It, it brought in so much stuff. Nobody seemed to notice. It, it just seemed way over the top for a fire. Yeah. And if they were evacuating this town because of this fire, they would also have to evacuate all the other towns around it. it. If you look at the map they showed of the area when they're talking about the dogs missing and Dayton being nearby, there are a lot of small towns right around there that would all have to be evacuated as well. And if they weren't, it would seem awfully suspicious. Yeah. Because fire doesn't just head in one very funneled focused direction. It, it spreads, right? Uh, so I found that as a way to get people out of town to be a little bit ridiculous. And I wasn't quite sure what their strategy was. Because they talked about baiting the creature, but how did they bait the creature? That wasn't explained, I don't think. And I don't, I don't know that they had anything to bait the creature with. What, humans? Mm. I mean, then evacuating them all to your base, I guess your temporary base of operations would be the bait, I guess. But then why are you going into town? Because it's going to go where the humans are. And I mean, I think baiting it with the cubes would have been the smart thing, but I don't think that that's what they did. I I felt like that was another thing that was just kind of thrown out there and then not yeah, followed I, through. I mean, if anything, the only bait that actually worked was the bad soldier guy. The alien came for him. Yeah. To kill him, basically. He was the bait. Well, actually, yeah, I do want to get to that. So, Just before that, though, Lewis confides to Joe that he's seen the creature. So now Joe and his friends have to go. They decide, oh, they're going to go save Alice, right? Yep. Jack escapes from the Air Force by hitting some guy. And there's just kind of no one else around. <laughs> and he just sees the tanker and realizes they've been setting the fire. Makes it explode with one shot, mm. and the whole thing, that whole <laughs> bit just seemed a bit ridiculous. But we we get to the point where the kids get into the dungeon, they call it, which is Woodward's information. And even they say, like, why hasn't the Air Force found this? <laughs> I'm like, well, kids, you're one step ahead of me here. Yeah. And inside, it's just packed full of stuff when they open it, right? Yeah. It's just tons of films and folders so there must be just tons of stuff to get through but of course the very first thing that they find is like all the stuff that they need right <laughs> so as so we're watching the video and we're hearing some of what the kids are reading so like the creature all the creature wants according to woodward is to recreate his ship with the magic cubes but again why can't he 
Because we see a scene of them kind of being formed and then they fall apart. Why? Is the creature constantly being given electric shocks or something to keep it from focusing? We don't really know. Oh, I thought that was them trying to... I. Oh, I, that they were doing it. They somehow. were doing it. I think the okay. creature wasn't even in the same room. They, right. they were trying to recreate it. That's why they were keeping the alien, I guess. Because as soon as they learned how to make the cubes stay assembled, then I guess they wouldn't need him anymore. But what's stopping the creature from... If he has telekinesis, stop it from bringing the cubes there. Or, as we saw, tentacles were shooting out through an open window. Well, if, if it's a mental thing, what's stopping? Yeah. I, I don't understand. But now that, that, that scene was definitely just them trying to get it to work, and then it was falling apart, and, and they were failing. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so again, here's where I go. Why, in my notes, I'm noticing, like, if the creature has a psychic connection, why doesn't he touch, like, everyone possible? And Woodward says, Nellick turned the creature into an enemy that wants to hurt humanity. So now I'm kind of like, well, now I'm not sure I want the creature to escape. This is a creature that we will learn later will eat a human. <laughs> right. or, and has been eating them. Like, we, we only yeah. see him eat one. I'm sure he needs more, but he's got a big body. I'm sure he's got quite a, a high metabolism. Hmm. Here's where just everything for me just, I've, I've starred all of this. It's really, like, these are all like important points that really got to me. So the Air Force finds the kids in the school. I don't know why it took them so long to do that. The one guy takes the necklace away <laughs> from Joe, which just made no sense to me. It's just me. Hmm. This would be a nice present for my wife with yeah. this picture of a random, random woman and her baby. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's terrible. Yeah. Jack conveniently is told by a cop that the kids were grabbed. He happened to hear it on the radio is what we're told. Mm. He gets the full story from Preston, who is the, again, the kid who doesn't really seem to have a purpose. He's like, first you need to watch this film, which I don't know how he got it because he wasn't with the kids in the Oh, it must have been the Super 8 film, right? Yeah. Which sort of shows the creature crawling out. Yeah. Okay. And then he immediately saves Jack, who hates Lewis, stops him from being taken away. He's like, we're going to go get our kids. Um, why would you pick him? <laughs> you, you, you've done nothing but hate him the entire movie. You've got six police officers around who trust you. <laughs> no, I'm going to take the you. The drunk buddy. guy. Yeah. yeah. The creature conveniently shows up, takes out the bus, right? Yeah. Uh, this is what you were saying before, and this is where I think this becomes important. So he takes out the bus. My thing was, why is he taking out the bus? Now, you think that he was going after Nellick. Yes. But how does he know Nellick is there? Maybe he's touched him. Maybe he's got a psychic connection with the guy. But if he has that, then why is Woodward explaining? This, yeah. I would be lying if I said I knew what was going on. Yes. <laughs> I would be filling in gaps left, right, and center. Yeah. But that's the thing. I was like, well, it does kill him, so maybe that's reason. But it seems awfully convenient that it catches a bus in motion just to do that. Yeah. Well, here's my real problem with this. Now it's been walking around town for days. Yeah. Why do you wait until S this sitting, moment? Sitting duck, yeah, for, for a few days. If your number one goal was, I want to kill that guy... I wouldn't wait around for a couple days mm. and then get to it. Maybe he was savoring it. Oh, he was busy building his magnet. That's why. Him and Jesse. No. I, I, I'm i not going to be on board with that. <laughs> I'm just not. But of course, the guy with the necklace dies so that Joe can get the necklace yeah. back again. Yeah. No point taking it in the first place at yeah. all. because The film store guy falls asleep in a car because apparently he'd been smoking marijuana and then the kids go, drugs are bad, I, I guess, just to get that message out there. But it, I was totally confused by that entire interaction. And it, in my opinion, should have just been cut from the movie. Or he should have just been okay and driven them to town. <laughs> yeah. it, it was just a waste of a scene, that one. The kids run through a war zone. Now, you say that That's the a... creature was bending the trajectory of the bullets and stuff. I, I just... To me, it just looked like they were going every which way. Not just shooting every which way, but driving every which way. It was almost like they couldn't see the creature, so they were just shooting everything. Yeah. If your idea is to destroy the town, well, 
I'm sure you've got better things in the Air Force than a tank. Yeah. To take out the town. It just seemed really weird. If they were that concerned, if they really wanted to blow it up, I'm not sure why they didn't bring a bomb in. I mean, yes, you're going to have to explain that, but you're also going to have to explain why you blew up a bunch of houses with tanks, too. So I I don't understand what they were thinking there. I mean, did you see the creature in that scene? Because the thing is, I didn't notice the creature in that scene, and I went, what are they shooting at? I don't even see it I think you don't see it, but you see it in the same way that you've seen it, inverted commas, in the past so far. You don't get to see the actual alien until the lair. Uh, No, 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 until the bus. I already saw it on Uh, the the bus. The bus, the bus. This is Um, after the bus. Yeah, I think you see it in the same way, just like it's moving in the trees, and it's it's not really visible, and they're just shooting all over seems the place seems ridiculous I'm, I'm just gonna say to me that seems absolutely ridiculous it was it was messy and and not only that it's like the kids take a direct hit from a tank and all it does is it breaks his leg or something like that it knocks over the wall which breaks the one kid's leg yeah. i think yeah. yeah so okay i'm just gonna say we both agree that that whole scene seems a bit ridiculous it's definitely messy that's what I, that's how i would say it yeah here's where we get our favorite scene of lewis and jack making up in seconds you know, I was just there to apologize at the wake. Oh, yeah, well, you're all right then. <laughs> and that, that was it. Yeah. I've never really liked you, but uh, now I'll like you, yeah. I guess. Now, finally, Joe goes, oh, you know what? I saw crazy stuff in that cemetery. I bet we should go back there. So it takes the explosive guy only. <laughs> He's like, uh, it's going to be dark down there. You have any sparklers? <laughs> Sparklers are not a great way to light your way in a tunnel. He could have a flashlight. Yeah. Can can we just give the kid a flashlight? Yeah. No, yeah. but he has to blow stuff up. He has to set things on fire. It makes oh, so sense. No, it just makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, so many sparklers. I'd like I'd like thirty seconds of illumination, please. All right. Now we see that the creature's been building this giant crazy machine. And you say it's an electromagnet. Yeah, it definitely has to. It has to be, yeah. Has to be. I don't think they were really... It's not really explained. No, it's not explained at all. So, for me, the first time I watched it, I went, what the heck was that thing? Because in my mind, like you, I thought the creature had telekinesis. And that at the end, it's pulling everything using, like, mental powers. So, I felt that whole weird machine was kind of a waste of time if it is an electromagnet that makes a little bit more sense but it also doesn't which i'll get to uh well you've already kind of hinted at it but i I definitely want to talk about that a bit more so that that bothered me then of course alice is alive because of course she has to be Mm -hmm. but then there's the sheriff and the girl in rollers which is the the only two other people we know outside of the kind of electrician who we knew were taken and they're essentially just there so that the creature can attack without attacking the kids. Would would you say that that's yeah. valid? Because yeah. even the first time I watched it, I went, as soon as the sheriff got taken, I went, well, that's the whole reason he survived. Right? Yeah. And yeah. I found that really irritating. Now, there's a weird bit where the alien picks up Joe. Mm-hmm. And Joe says, I don't know. I put the creature bonds with Joe, sort of. Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing? And, and Carrie, the explosives kid, like, what? And I was like, yeah, I kind of agree. I don't know what's going on there. The creature was attacking everyone. And then all of a sudden went, ah, oh, Joe, you seem like an all right guy. <laughs> and just kind of picks him up and looks at him. Doesn't actually, I feel, touch him in a way that would make him bond, right? I, In my mind, anyway, and this is filling in the gaps, yeah. clearly. But it would have to touch perhaps skin to skin to make that connection. But I could be wrong with that, so maybe it is. But I don't get any impression from what happened that Joe is actually mentally bonded in any way mm. to the creature. I saw it. In the, it I saw it in the eyes. That was my take on it. Because um, this is just my theory. But if mm. you look at the alien, because the alien's got like four arms or something like that. Yes. Yeah? Um, if you look at the alien, what was striking was its eyes. The eyes look really human. At when it's looking at Joe, finally, like they kind of the human-like eyes come out. Yeah, and so that made me, that even made me wonder, like, is that humanity from another dimension or something like that? Something, some other mystery box? Like, do they have a connection to Earth? Are they future humans evolved? But I got the feeling that the whole it wasn't even a, a binding like 
uh, they had to touch. I just felt like they could see into your soul kind of thing and read you like a, a retina scanner, I guess. Okay, I mean, it's definitely filling in the gaps. I'll, I'll take that. I just don't... After something like E.T. where you can see obvious ways that you know that they've bonded in some way, mm. I'm not getting it in this one at all. I just get, he looks at Joe, Joe looks at the creature, and says something like, I get it, bad things happen, essentially. And and the creature puts Joe back and goes, yeah, yeah, we've both had a rough time of it, I guess. Sorry I ate those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hungry. I probably shouldn't have bonded with them first. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he didn't look at them. So I, I, I don't know. I, the whole thing, to me, just felt really forced. And I, I wasn't buying it. So now we see all the metal at the end. The creature is at the top, putting the ship together with its mind, I guess. And all the metal is being pulled to the tower. But not all the metal. Yeah. It's very random. It's, it's a selective magnet. Yeah. yeah. There's 10 cars in a lot, and it pulls one. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty sure Jack has a gun. It's not pulling the gun. And it's pulling all these... There are metal signs everywhere. Because it does pull... Limited. It pulls some of the soldiers' rifles, doesn't it? But only... It feels to me like only some like of two them. two of them, yeah. I don't know if that was a budget concern, but it made no sense to me. Because if it's pulling everything metal, then it should pull everything The metal, entire right? thing, yeah. Like yeah. Through the walls of houses and or the diner that's ne- nearby. And so again, that that's very and inconsistent. Not, like in fact, it even pulls. It pulls the necklace and, and silver. Oh, wait, 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 silver I, isn't isn't metallic. Well, isn't metallic. Maybe, is it isn't magnetic? Maybe Jack bought a cheap <laughs> necklace. Maybe maybe it's actually silver. I will say the one thing that really irritated me. Uh, the necklace definitely does, but the thing that really irritated me was the cubes get pulled out of a semi trailer. But the semi-trailer, which should also be pulled, does not get pulled. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to say it's too heavy, that's fine. But it should at least be tugged in some direction if it's that powerful. But then, yeah, Jack and Lewis show up. Too late to do any good. Jack hugs Joe and you you say, he's like, oh, I've got you now. Yeah, he's he's exactly what I got you. Like, shut up, Dad. You You did nothing. Way to show up doing nothing. And then, of course, then... After that is when the necklace gets pulled in a very dramatic fashion as Joe's like clinging to it and is pulling, but it's not pulling him away. No. So he could hang on to it. And at that point, here's what really bothers me. It is pulling nothing else. It's almost like the creature is, I really like that necklace. (laughs) But it gets sucked into just the massive amount of, like Joe finally lets go, which I guess is symbolic, symbolic, right? But it's too much. It's too much. I... I am of a firm standpoint that symbolism is great when it adds to the story, but symbolism should not be the story. Mm. And I feel that that's all that's being done here is symbolically being pulled away and constantly hanging on to this memory and now needing to let the memory go. And it it's kind of weird what happens too, because it gets pulled to the massive group of metal at, at the water tower. And then when the ship takes off, it just crushes everything, which I don't understand. But I'm also thinking, well, the necklace might still be there. Yeah. <laughs> and if I was Joe, I'd probably go look. Yeah. I don't, that, that was just weird. I don't know how they powered the ship. That was the one thing that bothered me. Maybe it's got a misfusion or something, but... It can put it together with its mind, so, so everything else is... Like, oh, yeah. I, bu- I mean, could you imagine that would be so funny? Like, I built the ship. Oh, but how do I take off now? I need to... How do I power this thing? You know, it's like you can build it, but where's the power source? Yeah, I don't. Certainly not solar power because it happened at nighttime. <laughs> the music at this point just gets really ridiculous and way over the top. And here's what really bothers me, and I feel that this is a constant thing with Abram's storytelling. There's no real resolution. We sort of get that Jack is going to be nicer to Joe, I guess, and that. Joe and Alice can be friends now, and they hold hands, and that's it. Great. End of movie. Yeah. And then we see the kids' movie. That was awesome. But I say it was still, in my opinion, more interesting than the actual movie that we saw. <laughs> Why do they have such a 
garbage train explosion though. Like it looked terrible. And they were going <laughs> like they're making really terrible sound effects with their mouths. It's like he made an actual explosion. Why are you adding weird sound effects with it? I, I think maybe it's just an Easter egg to like his old like when he was a kid. Maybe that's what they did when he got his Super Eight camera and he was making his own movies. You know. But I will say that even. Even their movie seems to be full of conveniences and kind of zero resolution. <laughs> and it just paralleled Super 8 so well. I, I, I don't know. So overall, I just feel like there are way too many conveniences and weak storytelling. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's necessarily plot holes. And, and we may have jumped ahead on this one simply because of the weak storytelling. Mm. But... I, I will say again, by the third time I watched it, I didn't mind it as much. Would I recommend? I'd recommend it to kids. I, I like I said, I even though the, all the bits that bothered me, I kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was good. One thing I I, I noticed when I was watching, it, I was like, please stop saying mint. <laughs> How many times did they say mint in that movie? Oh, that's mint. That's mint. It's like swingers, your money. You know, it was just like stop saying mint. Stop saying mint. They said it so many times. Again, I was suspecting that Abrams must have said that as a kid. Um, another thing that I noticed, this is is a weak connection, but J.J. Abrams seems to always put religious names into his movies. Like in so in Lost, you've got you've got Jack Shepard. His dad is Christian Shepard, mm-hmm. and then in this one, you've got Joe Lamb. His name is Lamb. It's like again very biblical. It's a lot of uh, his main characters. I want to go back and check his other movies and see if the main characters all have some kind of biblical reference because that's two for two now. Maybe check. I mean, Star Wars doesn't you can't really count because it's in space. I don't think they have Joe Lamb, Sith Lord. They might. But, he could have made it that way. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, Joe Lamb and Christian Shepherd. There you go. But yeah, so I would I would recommend it. It's it's a decent movie. It's it, like I said, it's a good popcorn film if you don't think about it too much. If you've not seen it, and we've spoiled it to death, yeah, there's no point. Um, well, good luck. I, but, I don't think there's much point watching it now. Or, or if you're if you've seen it and you want to maybe recommend it to someone because they like Stranger Things and you think they'll get some kind of nostalgia kick out of it, what I noticed about this movie is J.J. Abrams needs to take some pointers from the Duffer Brothers because it did not push the nostalgia buttons as good as Stranger Things does. No, but I don't even really need nostalgia i think that a lot of people i think he was going for that though i i think so but i think a lot of people put down stranger things for how much nostalgia it has but for me it doesn't feel like a lot of nostalgia it just feels very accurate for the time that it's set in Mm. but i think that the one thing that stranger things does very well is i feel like the town has a feeling and it has a size whereas this town i think it's called lillian Ohio seems very inconsistent at sometimes it feels like the tiniest town ever and at other times it seems like a small city and that doesn't quite work for me it doesn't quite ring true there are too many things that are kind of as I said inconsistent yeah and also just character development like even with Stranger Things even the adults even though they have much smaller roles some of them Oh, they're great characters, yeah. They're great characters, and that's something that I feel is missing from this one. We don't get a lot of great characters. It's more about events than it is about character development. Yeah. I, again, not sure if this was the best for plot holes, but it, the best I can say that I, I feel it has some weak storytelling mm. elements to it, and it's just not my thing. Mm. Yeah. But no. Yeah, when you said watch it, I thought I was going to hate it, but I was pleasantly surprised. So, gaps filled or more gaps created. (laughs) (laughs) 